Roman, uh, these books won words. Uh, Django, before we start with Roman, what was your Batman 62? Oh, slippery. Nice. Slippery. Batman Man Without slippery. Fear won. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, Young hello. Justice. Kids. <laughs> Freeze. Cool. I, can't, I don't have one word for it. I had two feelings. Okay. Probably mine. I, I prefer that. Disappointed. Intrigued. Okay, okay, okay. Die too. Complex. Ooh. Colorful. No, intric- intricate. Intricate. Is better. Captain Marvel. <sighs> Hands on hips. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Green Lantern. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's the sound. <laughs> Everybody, get on, uh, get aboard. Uh, the cruise liner is gonna, it's gonna leave. Come on, get a, get it. It's uh, oh, it's gonna sound one more time. I forgot time my shoes. Off. Get your goddamn shoes. I know. The boat I'm, is leaving, and your boot, your shoes are on the sand. I forgot my epipen. Oh god, there's bees everywhere. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Big European bees. Uh, and oh. you're allergic to peanut butter. This is, you can't <laughs> not have our Peanut butter. <laughs> Worst cruise for little Justin ever. <laughs> it's too. Does anybody have an epi pen? <laughs> All right, well, we've unanchored. So, uh, everybody, thanks for joining us. Another episode of the Perfectly Acceptable Podcast, episode 114. Uh, decidedly so Whoa. this week. Yeah, we, I looked. Those are oh. numbers. Did we count the episodes that we skipped? You mean like in the first ten? No, the episodes that we skipped like no, right after didn't. Christmas. No. Okay, that would have been a crazy thing to That'd do. Be a good gag. Yeah. Can we have legacy numbers like Marvel does? We don't even have season numbers. <laughs> that would be like, like our black dossier. Like the the missing episode. What did they talk? About? What did they do? <laughs> Comics play. We could, well, there's there's a couple you know missing episodes that we know about. Where every Tuesday we get a whole bunch of comic books and we uh, count from UPS. We count them, sort them, get excited about them, file them away for all of our wonderful subscribers and shoppers at the store. Then we go home and we sort of pilfer through those wonderful stacks that we've acquired, like little rat fingers. And uh, I have rat fingers. Django has rat <laughs> fingers <laughs> and then rat sounds. Um, and rat donuts. And then we come back to our new bat cave that, uh, in spite of how shiny and new it is, it's also covered in dust because it's a gift from Django. <laughs> that was my attempt to do the Couldn't Batman it, thing. Sh- shouldn't it be the pap cave? Oh, oh. Wow. Roman. The pap cave. <laughs> Can we talk about what that evokes before we adopt it? <laughs> Django's not into <laughs> pap cave as a term. Um, yeah, and... Can you uh, put it in a chant? <laughs> No, don't do that. Don't invite him to do that. We're in the middle of a really stellar intro, <laughs> like a starshine intro. Um, yeah, where we engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the books, the store, or the comings and goings of our life. Uh, I like that our lives have turned into one life. Yeah, well, that's true. We do spend a lot of time together. It is. I'm Jeff, and I function as the right leg of this horrible homunculus being. 
I'm Django, and I know you guys want me to say that I'm the butthole of the whole thing, but really, <laughs> I'm just the rat fingers. <laughs> I'm Justin, and I'm a fragile and impermanent being here on a uh, fifth dimensional idea presented as a, a material being. Which is all. also how hemorrhoids are formed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fifth dimensional hemorrhoids. Roid rage. You're Mr. Mixapitalik. Oh. Justin Littlelick. Who are you? I'm Roman, and I'm, I'm the, the sinuous, sensual tail. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it hadn't looked like that when he said it. No. It was okay. Like, looking at him would have been fine. <laughs> Hearing him would have been fine. But when you put them together, no. I, I just think as audio content, it's probably – everyone's pretty lucky that they missed that. But he looked like that little green dinosaur gow that's in some <laughs> comic book. <laughs> I was picturing us as like this – hybrid homunculized being of all of us and looking over and seeing Roman the tail smile at me as, <laughs> as like, if I'm the like spiritual hemorrhoid and he's going hello so what, we've got a right leg <laughs> yeah. a butthole rat fingers yeah. a hemorrhoid a spiritual hemorrhoid and a tail that's not even a thing God, yeah. almost terrifying like full we're three-fifths butt stuff yeah yeah at least yeah not surprised. In terms right? of our audio content, um, <laughs> listen. This week we're gonna be talking about a variety of books. We're gonna spoil them. We're not gonna like. There's nothing this week that's gonna break the bank in terms of spoilers. Although we're gonna spoil Batman sixty two, which is our first book. But there are spoilers. Um, so if that is gonna weird you out, uh, pause it. Read your books. Although this comes out a, like almost a full week after the books have been out. So just like read your books quicker. What are we reading? Talking uh, about? I think we should talk about Batman number sixty two. Young Justice, number one. Gunning for Hits, Music Thriller, number one. Uh, Avengers, number 12. The Green Lantern, number three. Uh, Outer Darkness, number three. Criminal Ongoing, number one. And Die, two. That's just, that's just Die. That's not Die, Die, Die. No, that's a different book. Okay. Uh, it's also one-third the length as Die, 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 so it's confusing. Yeah. And die three is gonna. I don't even know how to. Thrice, thrice, three times the death. So Batman number sixty two. That was a chance. And over. <laughs> chance, not a chance. In this is that Batman issue we've been pretty excited about for a while. Tom Ooh, King, yeah. Mitch Garretts yeah. doing their uh, King and Garretts thing. Yeah, their King Garretts thing where they win uh, Eisner awards together. Yeah, Batman versus Psycho Pork. Do you think that they just assume that, hey, we've got a book coming out, so we better get ready for our Eisner and clear some room on the shelf? I saw a tweet from him today yeah, or a Facebook thing or some some social media thing from uh, From Tom Tom King. King. He said, uh, if you're confused by what's going on in in the Batman stories and the, the transition between the last issue where we see Alfred hurt and and Batman's dad show up and all that. There's been an issue between. He said if you're confused by what's going on in between and, and how he gets from place to place, um, that's the point. Yeah. So that's good to know. Justin also had a tweet from him that he was talking about if you're confused. Yeah, that it's a perspective book. And so this is meant to, meant to make us feel what Batman's feel, not kind of be seeing what Batman's doing. We're supposed to be there with Batman kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then he said, read the last issue for context, which I think maybe he meant the one with Thomas Wayne and stuff because he said, like, go back and read something 
in in the tweet. I forget okay. exactly what he said. But was it the like the arc of, like the two issues about the little kid? No, I think he's talking about the the very not the last issue, but the one before that, where Batman and Alfred and stuff is going going down. Where Batman is Thomas is standing over there. He said like read the last thing and then. Oh, I thought he meant the issue before, and I yeah. didn't get that issue at all. Okay. Yeah, no, those last two issues I actually was really confused about. Well, this issue is not much less confusing, but it's a wonderful fight between Batman and Professor Pig. And I'm going to I'm gonna make a really dark prediction here. Yeah. I think that whoever plays Professor Pig in the next movie is going to die shortly after they play that role. To get um, into that headspace? Yeah. yeah. I think they're going to go too deep. I would love that. Is Professor Pig going to be in a movie? I don't know, but if he ever is, it's going to be a Heath Ledger situation all over again. Yeah, yeah, he's he's brutal. I uh, he's I love I loved this issue so much. I love this issue also, and I was kind of, I guess I had I had read it and then I was talking to Justin about it. And if you're not a fan of repetition or Tom King's repetition, uh, your mileage may vary on this one because this is like sort of definitive Tom King repetition in 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 my mind about it. Um, See, that did not even register to me. Like, it was just so purposeful this time. Like, there's no needless repetition in mm-hmm. this at all. Um, yeah, I think maybe... It's I no dark it, side. I mainly... Or breaking God. a damn back. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I liked it. What do you guys think? <laughs> well, the breakdown is Batman, there's not like physically a whole lot that happens. Batman's upside down. Uh, you know, in the external world, the journeys, it's not there. There's a, a pretty well done fight scene. Um, I was thinking about why he's fighting and the kind of physics he's talking about of throwing the knife and the step. I wonder if Tom King has like, some of this comes from his knowledge of if he has ever been in a physical confrontation in the CIA. Mm -hmm. Because it all seems to be, like, really smart action. Not that I know what a fight feels like, but to me it was really believable, like, how he chose to talk, how how Batman chose to talk and think about it. And, um, yeah, I loved the the whole thing with the rope, like, listening to the rope. And that made me feel like that's how Batman would think about it and talk about it. And Um, that's how Mr. Miracle taught him to think about it. Yeah. That's cool. So this whole issue basically takes place with Batman uh, being hung in a butcher shop by Professor Pig and working to get unhung and then defeat Professor Pig. Yeah. And we spend a huge amount of it with the inner, inner thoughts of Batman. And what I... Was talking about with the repetition, and what I really liked about this issue is it really shows the like mechanical nature of what type of detective Batman is, and this sort of the repeating question over and over and over again. He kept seeing this like there would be a a box that would have parentheses of words that just say "Why can't you hear him?" because he wasn't able to be hearing this whole time, Mm -hmm. and it was just this. Really interesting. Even as he was trying to have other thoughts, there was these invasive thoughts that were like these undercurrent you know, uh, mysteries that he needed to be solving at any given time. And the, and they never really solved the why can't he hear him. No. No, they can't. They, I felt like he was in because he was, he was in his own head. What do you mean? Like he's, this is something, something in his mind, happening in his mind and not in the physical world. So, you know, that might be the first indication that he, he can't hear. That was just my read. There's okay. probably a totally logical, you know, <clears throat> something that I missed where he got hit in the ears or something. But I felt like well, this. Well, I, th- I think that's a really good read of it because I think that what we're really exploring with this arc is the sort of 
deranged Batman at this point. He's like being driven mad by Bane and he's so in his own head that he's not analyzing the exterior world healthily or accurately. And even when he talks about when he punched Gordon several issues ago, he mentions like, Bane made me do that. Yeah. And it's like, no, dude, you were in a moment and you punched Gordon. You don't think that Bane orchestrated that? I think that he orchestrated that, but the choice to punch Gordon was Batman in the moment doing okay. this thing. He's like, not taking responsibility for it like a sane person would. He's yeah, no longer right. able to categorize his behavior. And I don't know if we should spoil the final two pages of this. Or, I mean, does anybody have any theories on what was happening there? Well, they go back to it being a myth and a metaphor and a dream. And it looks like... Uh... Uh, Mr. Miracle kind of things fritzing out. Yeah, it reminds me a lot. I think he was intentionally channeling Fraser <clears throat> Irving for this. I, I saw a lot of Fraser Irving, this for sure, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess when you flip the page, you see that Professor Pig takes off his mask and it's Damien standing there. Or maybe it's not, but it, he's speaking to Damien. Yeah, so like why was it Damien all along and Batman is delusional in seeing this thing? That was my first take is like maybe Batman has just had a psychotic break like he's totally lost or on some chemical influence and he's maybe he's fighting Damien because clearly Pig is doing like what is Pig Professor Pig even doing to Batman? He's like pouring blood on him. Yeah, he throws blood on him. I mean, he's doing kind of classic Professor Pig stuff. But he's not just, just trying to kill him. things with me. Just sort yeah. of erotic, weird, gross stuff. He does stab stuff. him. I mean, yeah. he does stab him. So, like, For Damien sure. wouldn't have stabbed his dad. Also, yeah. but Damien's maybe... hair is totally different than Professor Pig's. And, and you don't really notice that until Pig takes his mask off. The hair is different. So, you know, and maybe, I mean, obviously Batman's seeing something wrong no matter what. But I don't think that we're seeing Damien throughout the beginning of the fight. What's the connection to Pig and Damien, though? Like, why is why are they each other's skin? Because he keeps saying a myth, a metaphor, a thing. Like, Well, Pig's first appearance was Damien. Bat- Batman and Robin number one, right, with Damien as Robin and Dick as Batman? Yeah, that that's they're introduced in the same run. Um, so that was, like, a connection that I made. But it's he keeps kind of... I feel like there's some very intentional significance to why he's he's fighting Pig, but then he sees Damien there. Mm. And I don't know it. And I I think, like, just the madness of his repetitive <clears throat> dialogue is is really the big sort of showcase of this issue to me. For sure. I r- was reading this, like, really kind of felt like Batman is a program or an algorithm that Bruce has. Like, it's this binary or like a sub-personality. Algorithm, I think, is totally yeah, it, a good it, word it, for it. it. It solves crimes. It does this. It operates in this way. And when you're when it's not in the framework where it can succeed, it t- t- destroys itself. It's, yeah. it, it's a thing that if it has to self-analyze, it's going to destroy itself because it's too good. Yeah. And reading this, I was like, holy shit. Like, he's a, he's a machine. Mm-hmm. He's a fucking machine. I don't know. I would give it a nine. I'd give it a nine and a half. I really like seeing Batman's process for escaping and kicking somebody's ass. I'll give it a 9.5. This is the best I've seen Batman, like a Batman issue since Grant Morrison's run in my personal mm-hmm. subjective version of Batman that we all have. Damien. Nine, nine and a half. Damien was in more than uh, more than one comic. Yeah, this but he week. definitely was not in Young Justice. 
um, which is the next book that we're going to talk about. <laughs> oh, shit, that's a different Robin, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> Young Justice Number 1 by Brian Bendis, uh, Patrick Gleason, and... Uh, Alejandro Sanchez. That was a good segue. Like it, it would have been. It, he was it, more than worked. likely in a different book yeah. as well. Can you go back and... No, I Robin. Love... Robin. Robin. <laughs> Robin. Just take one of those Robins and put it over Damien. Okay? Robin was in more than one book. <laughs> now we're in a weird piggish time loop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did y'all think of Young Justice number one, Bendis's new uh, series under this Wonder Comics imprint that he's doing? It was totally cute. I like and it was Robin. So speedy. It was much more uh, <clears throat> frantic than I thought. Dude, frantic is the word. I, yeah. I think, I think it was cute and fun, but it was like exhausting. It was. Yeah. There was whole pages. I was just like flip, flip. I could not even try and follow the action like, here. Yeah, I, I finished it and I was like, I need to look at a book that, like, has stillness in it so that I can look <laughs> at it. It really. Yeah. Uh, reading it it frustrated me until the last couple of pages when it was things were like it was just things were upside down and sideways and I don't think that the panel to panel storytelling was super clear I wasn't a huge fan of uh, Impulse but I liked a lot of the other characters quite a bit I liked uh, Jonah Hex's granddaughter great granddaughter it must be yeah. like great Ginny Hex great granddaughter maybe yeah um, I liked her a whole lot I liked her like yokel in the big city yeah. Brandon and I were trying to figure out who that c- character was, and we decided it's actually a duo. One's named Yippie, and the other's Kaye. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was actually created, and first her first appearance is in one of the Bendis news stories that was in one of those Walmart special $10 issues. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I thought her first appearance was here. Damn. No, it was <laughs> a Damn month it, or Bendis. two ago in Walmart. Huh. Oh, we'll get the collection when it comes out. Maybe. Um, Hopefully she doesn't become huge in, you know, at Walmart. And it becomes a giant Ginny Hex and she's stomping through towns. (laughs) (laughs) So this is like, this is a bunch of bad guys from Gemworld. Steven Universe, I mean. Yeah. (laughs) From the the world of Amethyst. And there there was something else that I read this week where I was like, man, you guys are digging deep for bad guys. Um, I thought they were is not a top tier comic. But she's a main character in this book. Yeah. Amethyst is. Yeah, yeah she's gonna be yeah, on the she's team. Gonna be. I think they did that because she had right that kid short on Cartoon Network as well that was really popular. Like okay. they did a fantasy, a, a mini fantasy, fantasy series of, of Amethyst. So I almost feel like putting her on there is just a good way to have like a that type of. Character. She got like one of the variant covers for this issue, of which yeah, there were many. She must just not be on my radar then. She's not on mine, but Roman bought all of those yeah, books when he was uh, younger because uh, he thought it was cool, and Amethyst is his birthstone. Yep, that was why. And it had cool artwork. And it was a good... It was a cool fantasy world. I mean, your basic fantasy world, like Game of Thrones with their different houses. That's what Gem World is, except each house is a different precious gem. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. That makes that world a little Yeah, it makes it a little yeah. less Steven Universe. And, and each of these beings we don't know yet are... I assume rulers or defenders of that house, and they're supposed to have the characteristics of whatever the, the house gem of is. Ruby. So yeah, whatever the characteristics of rubies are, that's what the ruby person has. They're red. So Ru- they're not necessarily all bad guys. But okay. 
But, oh. some, but yeah, something's happening to bring them to Earth, and there's something Earth somehow. All the crises on DC Earth are affecting Gemworld badly. I, I thought really, that was cool. Yeah, I really liked the talk yeah. of the crises. I think the very beginning of this, I liked. I really liked the uh, Tim stuff. I just love getting to see yeah. Tim Drake, and he's the, Robin. Yeah, he just yeah. is in his costume. Yeah. yeah, looking not Red Robin. Awesome. He's not Red Robin. He's not Robin's Robin. He's not. Bird Robin, he's, he's not Bat Shadow or something. Yeah. Okay, so they mentioned in the beginning of this that there have been seven crises. Yeah, let's do it, guys. There are. <laughs> oh yeah, Crisis on Infinite Earth, mm-hmm. Infinite Inf- Crisis, mm-hmm. Final Crisis, Identity Crisis, Identity oh, Crisis. Though that doesn't feel like it would be a cosmic one, but it got that. No, that was just Justice League. But crisis. I would say they're probably also talking about Flashpoint. Oh yeah. Flashpoint. Okay. And then maybe the Rebirth, Rebirth. restarting. It's only yeah. six. Yeah, where's the seventh one? There was another one in my mind. Doomsday Clock. I feel like no. that's kind of the rebirth one. Yeah. That's but all. maybe not. Was there like an earlier crisis before Infinite that they don't really Zero hour? To? Zero hour? Zero hour. Yeah, was definitely was not a crisis. Okay, okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And that's probably them-ish. <clears throat> so here's what I was going to say. There were seven crises, <laughs> and there are seven people on the cover in this team. Oh, oh do they all come from... Superboy is definitely from like the zero hour death of Superman era. I really liked that, uh, you know, that Superboy is back. Yeah. And at the yeah. very end, that's sort of the reveal is, is he's back. Not much of a spoiler because he's on the cover. Uh, but yeah. He's got a beard and he's all cool. Yeah. He's what do we think of him? I'm still confused by him. Cause like, why does he have a holster on his leg? Well, I'm confused. Why does he still exist? Well, they're on another world now, right? They did a little jump. Yeah. I think that they were just taken to Gym World. But oh. I, I think that there's. Something going on with dimensions and sideways stuff. Because isn't like Impulse? I think recently showed back up, right? Yeah, but mm-hmm. he's been Flash, gone for a long time. Yeah. yeah. So I I like that Bendis is doing that. Um, I, I really like the characters. I I do like the art, but I don't like the the comic booking of the art. Like it, yeah. it, it really frustrated me as I was reading it. Like people weren't finishing sentences and things were sideways and people were making references I didn't understand. I felt like Roman reading a Bendis book. <laughs> did you like this upside down? No, I didn't. City battle? I had to I flip did. it upside down and even upside down. Yeah, I, I, that's one of the pages I flipped through really quick. Even upside like, down, they're mostly centered upside down at that point, which is yeah. like, no, that doesn't, <clears throat> it doesn't work upside down. No, it doesn't, which is the mark of a good upside down page. Come on, Gleason. A lot of it was very like, why? Like, just slow down and do something character. I mean, but but I did like it. And I, I think that, you know, if we're probably one or two issues away from a slow talking issue where we're going to be doing some building. I think it was this, this was intentionally like aggressively children's cartoon show feeling. Again, like I, yeah, to go off your point. I felt like I was drinking water from the fire hose there for a minute, but I was like, this is also like introducing a bunch of stuff and it's targeted for a younger audience. Maybe it's supposed to be fast paced. No, it made zippy, me zappy, feel zoopy. too old for it. Was yeah. How I felt. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> I really liked this sequence of Tim beating the crap out of somebody. That was yeah. one of my favorite pages. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's because it had enough moments to breathe and be one thing. For sure. Yeah. Well, and I think it, it, like the franticness of it kind of helped showcase what a big battle like like those guys were coming to kick Superman's butt and that's got to be a pretty intense fight yeah uh, what do you guys give it uh, 7.5 I'd, I'd give it a 7 I think for being written seemingly for kids there's a lot of really deep references here and that seemed like a strange mix to me 
to give something that's written for like 13 to 16 year olds, uh, seven crises and Connor. Yeah, I give it a a 6.5. I thought it was colorful and it was fun and energetic, but maybe a little too energetic. It was hard hard to follow. Um, it kind of just, I got exhausted with it quick. I was like, okay, I liked the part I like about it, but I'm kind of done a few pages before it was actually over. You going to flop the 10 out, Roman? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Uh, I'll give it a 6.5. I mean, it was, it was fine. It was fun. I, I, even though I didn't... It was confusing, like with impulses stuff. I appreciate the fact that the artist is trying to show super speed in a different way than typical DC or Marvel. So, you know, I'm curious in the future if it'll be the franticness will slow down. Gunning for Hits, music thriller, issue number one. Tim Drake was not in this one. He was not, but Damien was in more than one book this week. (laughs) And his second appearance was in Gunning for Hits. (laughs) Um, Not true. Jeff Rogvi wrote this. Mortat did art, and Casey Silver did colors and letters. Have we heard of Mortat before? Oh, yeah. Mortat did uh, a bunch of stuff for Elephant Man and uh, (laughs) drew a handful of the... Uh, newish Hellblazer Constantine books lately. I just pressed the fucking Django button. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's her Django. Also, this an looks... Empty zone, and it was <laughs> frostbite. <laughs> this looks a lot less like Moritat than anything I've seen before. Yeah, I feel like their art is a little generally like like flatter and starker and almost like a more detailed Frazier Irving yeah. to me. Um, he was in uh, he was at the last Bellingham con. Oh, he was. Yeah. yeah. More tat. More tat. Um, I, I really like his other art, and it turns out I really like this version of his art also. Uh, so this follows a, well, like a, re- a record executive scout who finds or who arranges to have a band play so that he can see them and try to sign them before they get really big. This is set in the uh, early 90s. Yeah, this is like late 80s, late 80s early, 90s. early 90s. And uh, he's kind of manipulating um, this musician and the, his girlfriend slash manager into uh, signing a record contract. And it looks kind of like they're getting a pretty sweet deal. Um, and then he stops and gives us a really interesting breakdown of how the music industry works. And I thought that that was a really, uh, a really interesting part of this issue and hit kind of close to home. I'm fascinated by the music industry in this period of time. Like when I was in high school, I read, I think every available Nirvana biography that I could find like over and over, uh, I, I love and there's there's definitely some, I think that this character is kind of a Kurt Cobain character, the musician, mm. and it seems very rooted in right before they played the OK Hotel, which was when like they first played it Smells Like Teen Spirit, but it like and is she Courtney Love? It, it seems like it because yeah. this girl is really trying to champion this uh, record deal. It's a real text-heavy book, but in a way that had a lot of like energy and motion to me. I just thought it was like fascinating because I love the the shitty music industry like I, I'm fascinated by it and the shitty people and and there's like this six page interlude in the middle that has very cartoony cute art looks like Calvin and Hobbes like this is the fucked up capitalism yeah. capitalism version of Calvin and, it's, and Hobbes it is yeah. it's like Jess, or Jesse Plemons on Vice which I just saw like doing those yeah. over overdubbing talking about the sort of 
the behind scenes of all this stuff and the inner thoughts of all of these things and where the percentages go when you make a record deal of different things. And But this, this comic, it's long, and it takes place over the course of one conversation with mm-hmm. a couple digressions, and it's interesting and engaging the entire time, I thought. Yeah, I totally agree. It's very text-heavy and super engaging the whole time. And, uh, you know, she and the the musician are trying to get this record deal signed and they keep making these demands and and uh, the talent scout is responding like, yes, but this, like we can do this, but then this. And, and then their final demand is that um, since record scouts always uh, are basically fucking over and taking advantage of the, the talent that they're trying to sign, she says that in order for them to sign this, he has to give the musician a blowjob. And that is the point when we go on this digression of what the record industry and all this stuff is. And why he's going to probably do it. And uh, and then they go into the back to do this rowdy, rowdy blowjob. And he, like, whips these guns out. And he says that I I had a job before doing this. I used to blow people's fucking brains out for a living. And that was, a, like, a fun little twist. I, I didn't personally need that. I could use a whole book just about music politics and the scummy... Who's giving who a blowjob here? The the girlfriend of the musician who's doing most of the negotiating for the record label with the talent scout is demanding that the talent scout has to suck the musician's dick. Uh, while she watches. While she watches. But I'm just such a sucker huh, for uh, <laughs> this period of time and, you know, just like talking about how MTV was in full swing at this point and, you know, how people were just buying warehouse space and installing shitty lights and getting a liquor license to be having concert venues. And uh, it just evokes a a period in time to me is very like that's sort of like my Disneyland of the history of music is just sort of the Wild West of music when right before the Internet came out and kind of fucked a bunch of stuff up and also made things a lot better. Yeah, this is this is. A really well-done comic by a first-time comic writer, too. Is the dialogue good? Dialogue, I think, is really Supernatural. Supernatural, yeah. Super natural. It's incredibly natural. (laughs) Not like above natural or to the side, not paranatural, metanatural. (laughs) Natural. Okay. They're all speaking in Transylvanian accents. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I will suck your (laughs) day. I want to suck your day. What do you give it, Jeff? 9.5. 9.5. I really liked it. Um, I really am interested in the next issue. I can't wait for it to come out. I was surprised at how much I was liking it as I was reading it. I'd give it a 9. Yeah. Um, I I could do without the Hitman stuff, which is probably something you've never, ever heard me say. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is, this is a very, very well done comic, and I will um, – I'll stick with it until it's over. Hmm. Cool. Look at this Alan Davis. Alan Davis cover. What's our what's our segue here? Um, Nirvana music when uh, the Kazar. Kazar looks like a musician. Nir- above Kurt Cobain that wasn't on drugs. <laughs> what are you saying about Kurt Cobain? Two podcasts where we talked about <laughs> Kurt Cobain in a row. Whoops. Kirk who? Exactly. <laughs> Kurt Cobain. Avengers number 12. Jeez. By uh, Jason Aaron and Mark Morales and Carl Kessel and Scott Hanna. Wow. Um, this is a really fun series. Oh, and Ed McInnes. I forgot them. <laughs> um, this is a really fun series. Black Panther is the chairman of the Avengers. And he's chairman. Doing... I like that terminology for it. He just sits CEO down. CEO of the Avengers. <laughs> I think they've always referred to him because Cap was the chairman originally. 
I think. Anyway, Black Panther, because this Avengers team is so powerful and their headquarters is in the North Pole in a dead celestial's body and they just have so much power, he's decided that he's going to have um, kind of a support staff and secret agents that go intelligence gathering and checking out situations that then they can report back and the Avengers have to deal with. So he goes to um, – Oh, his his the the head of the Dora Milaje from Wakanda, and enlist her to go recruit these people to be the support staff and the secret agents. So they're kind of agents of Wakanda, but they're working for the Avengers, and it's just really fun because it's deep cuts from Marvel. I mean, they go and recruit Kazar the Savage and Gorilla Man, who used to be an agent of Shield and an agent of Atlas, um, and these guys all have their own cool backstories. Gorilla Man is. Depressed because his backstory, you know, he's a gorilla because he inherited a curse where you become a gorilla when you kill the former gorilla man, but then you're immortal <laughs> and you never get sick, and he and he's really bored and alcoholic because, but it doesn't matter because he never gets sick, and if he killed himself, he would just come back because if you kill a gorilla man, you become the gorilla man. So he's just all. How did he kill up. the original gorilla man? I don't remember. Oh, right. <laughs> Read that years ago. But they enlist him because he they're sending people like into Atlantis and into the jungles guy. and all these, you know, environments where they have to be tough and be able to survive any kind of environment and do stuff. They recruit the original Wasp and Kazar. And Does Gorilla Man have a sense of humor? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's a silly guy? He's a silly guy. Yeah, I could also see him when being can, fucking miserable. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's miserable. He kind of has a, dar- a dark sense of humor. And, okay. and he's one of those characters like Dan Grimm. And they, when they used to be able to show that, he smoked a big stogie and... I like Gorilla Man. Yeah, Gorilla Man's pretty awesome. They try to recruit Mobius, Morbius, sorry, um, Mobius <laughs> the artist, <laughs> um, the Man Wolf, John Jameson, Jameson the Man Wolf. So all these crazy Wolf. characters. Um, the Black Panther, one of his his like secret unofficial advisor, and nobody knows of this, is Odin, because Odin had the connection with the like prehistoric Avengers and all that. Oh, and that's so writers. cool. So yeah, there's all these connections. It connects to. Uh, Thor, which Aaron is writing, because they also recruit Roz Solomon, who is a supporting character in Thor. And, and it's just really – and they enlist uh, American Eagle and Dr. Nemesis and Fat Cobra. All Fat these, like, Cobra. All these like third and fourth rate characters from various <laughs> books, Marvel books over the last few years. Fat Cobra. Oh, Fat he, Cobra. He was one of the guys that fought in Kunlun to become the Iron Fist and he lost. <laughs> Wow, no he? doubt. His name is Fat Cobra. <laughs> yeah. They make a joke about it in here because somebody else is, is like, really? This guy chooses to call himself that, and it's just fun because they're they're in a in a uh, dead celestial. So one of the people Black so Panther cool. recruits is Blade. Oh the yeah, immortal. there's a big there's a big spoiler at the end. They he he wants Blade to be on the team to help because there's a civil war brewing with the vampire clans. Yeah, and they they had shown him in the big. 500th or 600th issue of Avengers. I gotta be honest, I have no interest in Blade as a comic book character. <laughs> Me either. I never have, but I'm curious to see how he works on a team of Avengers that are all super powerful Avengers. Can I ask a question about the Celestials thing? Yeah. Mm. Why would okay. you set up camp in a dead body? Because like, it's big. Hey, it's a robot. Because, because in that first storyline, somebody asked him that, last Black Panther that, and... Uh, because in that first Avengers storyline of this, when they had all the stuff with the Celestials falling out of the heavens yeah. and everything, they were kind of mandated, I forget, by one of the other living Celestials to raise up this dead Celestial body and make their base of operations out of it. And they, one oh. of the guys they get in this is, I'm not familiar with, Brew, 
who was... He was from Jason Aaron's Wolverine in the X-Men run. Oh, another Jason Aaron character. Okay, yeah. well, they list him because apparently he's a mutant, uh, he's alien hideous. mutant brood. Okay. He's super smart. Black Panther enlists him to with the task of hanging out in the gray matter of this dead celestial and trying to get whatever information is recorded in its, in its brain tissue mm. out wow. so they can use gray it. Gray matter. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. So there's all sorts of this cool, wild, goofy Marvel cosmic stuff going on here. Yeah. But with really down-to-earth characters like Gorilla Man and Kazar. Gorilla Man is a very down-to-earth character. He was down. <laughs> he's down on, on Earth. His luck. He's down he's, on his luck. He's on Earth. He's, he's a Yeah, <laughs> He fell out of his tree, so he's down. Yeah. He's a little up. drunk. He yeah. fell out because he was drunk. And drunk drunk is uh, depressive. And he's down. He's bummed out because he's also oh, no. a real heroin junkie. <laughs> <laughs> and that is basically a dead end road, everybody. Liquid This down, is down. your perp, your papcast, pap cave PSA. Don't do heroin. No. <laughs> Don't do drugs and heroin. Nope. Stay away from anything with uh heroin in it. Exactly. Except what, for Captain Marvel number one. That would have been a killer oh. segue. Oh. Yeah. Oh, because it has a heroine. Yeah, it's a yeah. Captain Marvel is a heroine. That's good. What kind of what that, kind of number do you give that, Roman? <laughs> that's good. I'd I'd give this an eight. Wow. All right. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> After <Boom>. that. <laughs> now can we use that heroine? Should we go to Captain Marvel? Yeah. Why don't you do a quick oh. Captain Marvel spot? Um, <laughs> sure. Captain Marvel number one by Kelly Thompson. They gave her long hair again. Carmen Carnier, Carn- yeah, I noticed that. I think it's just to make her kind of look like uh, Brie, what's her name? Larson. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Tamara Bonvillain. 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 I said it fast because I don't know how to say it. <laughs> That's like Bon Iver. Bon Iver. Bon Iver. <laughs> it's pronounced Ivers. <laughs> oh, I love Ivers. Oh, my God. Ivers in my house. Um, <laughs> Poor Captain Marvel. Roman has like... been going to the nice version of Ivers down in Seattle, and like I don't think that he realizes that Ivers is just like shit fast food seafood yeah. no, everywhere I'm not... except for that one. They serve spot. your fl- your fish on a plank. Yeah, it's just like uh, like Ivers is trash seafood except oh, I know. for at that spot. I used to get it for free in the mall. You. Dog. In the mall. And I was at Orange Julius slinging. Yeah, and they used to call out their orders like, oh, we got salmon over here. So Josh and I used to call out things they didn't have on their menu as I was like, we got steak and lobster over here at Ivers. And they got, <laughs> they gave us a talking to for sure. <laughs> I spent one of the saddest New Year's Eves of my life at the Ivers Fish Bar on the Seattle waterfront. Because me and oh, a buddy went you over and three man. minutes on Captain Marvel. Let's <laughs> oh, get that Marvel. done. Okay. Um, this is the new the new issues. Cut, picks up right after the life and death of Cap, life and times of Captain Marvel. Fuck your sadness. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think this works well as maybe an introduction to folks that are excited about the movie. Roman, that was your this year's New Year's Eve, bud. No, no. No, no. This was years ago in high school. Me and a buddy were trying to get in the New Year's Evil show from Alice Cooper, and we couldn't find a scalper. Very um, cool. Uh, so this <laughs> <laughs> it was cool man <laughs> except we didn't actually get in um, anyway this might work good for somebody new to the character and everything it's very kind of some there's some rough exposition in here introducing Captain Marvel and who she is would you say it's high octane no <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, it is cool seeing Captain Marvel <laughs> and Jessica slow that Bruce juice together. down <laughs> um, did you feel like this was 
I mean, this was a super long issue. Did you feel like they almost set it up as here is an introduction to Captain Marvel? And then just a little over halfway through, you get the setup for the paradigm shift. And then they switch that on you again on the last page. So, like, here she is. These are her buddies. She's not a huge fan of Iron Man. Uh, she's buddies with uh, Jessica Drew. And then, oh, we're going to add uh, Hazmat to the team. And now they're going to be friends. And now this other crazy thing on the last page is the new new Captain Marvel. Does she get a haircut again? She gets she like goes yeah, in the future and turns cut. into a, a different kind of character. But yeah, some kind of revolutionary. And... I really appreciated that because like what I keep complaining about with the Marvel comics is that you get an issue that is like issue one is all kind of recap. And this gives you in, in a double size issue, you get the recap and then the new setup. And I, I thought that that was a well, lot they, better. I guess they, they did it kind of right because they just spent seven months putting a five issue mini out that was supposed to be what you need <laughs> to know before reading this after having revamped. Like, I guess my complaint, cause, and I read. I skimmed this one. I, I did like when she flies into the thing at the end and the male character is like, did you see her face? Like, she's going to be fighting like hell. There's just a really cool, her yeah. determination to be flying into this portal that takes her to be some sort of, becoming this revolutionary. Like, it is a, she's a badass and I really like the way that uh, those characters sort of identify that within her. But I still have this complaint of like, this character seems like every time I've checked in with her, there's still trying to do a new thing with her, reestablish her origin in a, in a way. Um, even the first page is like that attempt at doing that Grant Morrison all-star Superman thing or, you know, it's just sort of like all these different shots of her and it's fighter, soldier, hero, pilot, captain, leader, warrior, icon. You're like, most of those are the same word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're all, all synonyms. Like very different looking things. And it's just like this, there doesn't seem to be like a core... To this character. It's Marvel's Hawkman. It's Marvel's Hawkman, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah, it's just like that. What do we do? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Tell it, make, a new, make a new origin for her. They didn't like the last one. But yeah, I agree, I agree, Django. When I started getting interested, interested when her and Rhodey started connecting again. Mm-hmm. But before that, I was kind of like, oh, come on. I, well, I know this, but like I said, new readers that want to learn about Captain Marvel, this might be great for them. So on a scale of... Uh, one to ten minutes. What do you What do you give it? Four and a half by this clock. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go to six. What is her core personality like? Does she like what is what she like? Because I have watched the trailer. I think on mute or very low volume, so I have no idea what the movie's going to be like. I don't. I don't have a whole lot of. I know she she did some bad stuff in Civil War too, right? She was kind of. The Tony Stark of Civil War One and Civil War Two, so she had an agenda, and it was a little bit more authoritarian. Yeah, um, but that's not who she is in this, right? Yeah. And we spent a year with that person very recently, and that person was very different than who we had spent a couple years with before that. Okay, and in the movies, the Kelly Sue stuff, right? We or, don't know what the fuck the movie is. The movie looks. I'm pretty excited for the movie. Yeah, I think movie it looks, looks really cool. cool. But the, in the comics, they, they don't know what to do with her. And I think that she'll be a character that or maybe her origin, her, person, or her, or her characterization is going to be more tied to the movie 
um, because there's not like in the same way that like I think probably a lot of people consider the Deadpool movie origin kind of the history of Deadpool. Yeah, I agree. People like talk more about that than like a particular arc that talks about his origin. I think the Captain Marvel is gonna be a little bit like that because there's just. If you look at that opening page, she's been a lot of different things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'd, I'd give it a six also. Uh, but I'll give it credit for getting me all the way through it. That doesn't happen with these like Marvel characters I'm not super interested in very often. Well done, Kelly Thompson. I have gas pains, guys. Just fart. Man, it's not, that's what it's I do. not that easy. I know that's what you do. <laughs> I would work that out if I could. I need a... I need a you know, a gas X or something. You need, a, you need gassing. Do you know how to gas? It's when you roll on your back with your legs crunched up to your tummy, right? Yeah, it makes you fart every time. Really? He just likes to say that to get a bunch of people to roll around on their back. Oh, that, yeah. That, <laughs> We've all done it. That twinkle in your eye was an indicator that you were lying. I know the jingle. Ding! It's not a lie if it's a joke. Okay. <laughs> I lie a lot, but I also joke a lot. I don't really know what any of them are <laughs> at this point. Um, the Green Lantern number three by Grant Morrison, Liam Sharp, and who's the colorist? Beware my power. Nah. Oh, Steve Olaf? Yeah, Steve Olaf. Old school. Yeah, has he been around for a long time? He's been around for a long time. That's one ever. of probably the, the components that makes this art look like the era that it's from. Yeah. Didn't he work on uh, Nexus? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, he's he's been around since like the late seventies at least. I want to go on record as saying I, I this was maybe my favorite issue or maybe just barely below issue number one. But um, I I think that my complaint with the second issue was just that I maybe wasn't in the right mindset when I read it, and I really loved this issue and all of those. You know, just like Justin has said with both issues, like a boy is back. Yeah, it's it's just got what I love about Grant Morrison in it. Hey Jeff. Yeah. Hey, bud. Yeah. A boy's back. Yeah. He's a terrivore, a planet eater, an omnivorous undying horror from the Irma Annexate. So oh. this issue has the earth shrunk down to uh, small size so that an auctioneer can sell it to other aliens. So And uh, the I, I love that the Dominators were bidding on it, uh, the, the guys from Invasion back in the olden DC Jingle days. Jingle loves to talk about Invasion. Yeah, he does. I, I've never read it. But I you love the way the Dominators look. They're, they're like their big teeth and the big old red dots on their yeah, heads. Yeah, they, they look cool and they do this. Yeah. It was a finger gesture that Justin just made. <laughs> um, and so uh, the Green Lantern Corps shows up to stop them and they show up a little bit too late because a guy that calls himself the Shepherd – who looks an awful lot like God. And talks like God. And talks yeah. like God. Has, like has big G God. Uh, can I tell you my favorite part of this issue? Yeah. The currency is Jilly Stellas. Yeah. Where yeah. are we at in the auction? 10,000 Jilly Stellas. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept saying it out loud and thinking about Justin saying it out loud Jilly as Stellas. I was ringing it. Jilly Stellas. Jilly Jilly Sellers, I like how cop as fuck this is. They're just like, we're going to hide behind these rocks. We're going to jump in and go, 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 go. It's like, uh, you know, watching an episode of Cops on some really good space drugs. <laughs> and I, I love that, like, they both make it God, capital G God, and also not him. Yeah. And uh, Such also a clever Cthulhu little monster yeah. space guy. And I think that they just do a great job of making uh, religious beliefs true and also making total science fiction true. Yeah, I, I really like his kind of spin that, like, 
God is just this alien species that goes and colonizes planets, like fattens them up on belief and then yeah. lets it gestate for several thousand years until it devours it to its core. Yeah, that's so cool. I feel like that's his like commentary on. I felt like he was actually Grant Morrison was making some uh, political slash theological. Yeah, I totally agree. Oh yeah, yeah, it takes a thousand years to fatten up the population. He needs to get the flavor just right. And then the politician's like, uh, yeah, we could live with that, which yeah. is totally a comment on, like, environmentalism. For sure. Yeah, and God, what is the – they ask him – I know you can't contend uh, future generations to that. And he's like, um, I think we could live with that. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's – Because we get yeah. superpowers for the next thousand years. Yeah, temporary, you know, temporary gain now for total destruction later. I thought that was – and we so get good. basically Hal Jordan making a giant green boxing glove with wings and punching God in the face. That was so good. Yeah. And he wraps the entire earth in a police line do not cross tape because, uh, yeah, it's just, it's big, dumb Grant Morrison fun, but also high concept. It's not like it doesn't, it's not the emotional punches that like All-Star Superman has, but also it doesn't necessarily need to because that's not necessarily a core of what Green Lantern is, like For it is sure. a, a core tenant in, in Superman. So one thing that this issue did do that you guys aren't going to be surprised I didn't like is kind of a lot of things happen off panel. And you, you've you got these battles that you don't see the beginning of and you just see the, the aftermath of. And like these people have had an adventure while you're reading something else. And uh, it, it feels a little bit jumpy to me. And that's that's one of my big um, stumbling blocks on a lot of Grant Morrison superhero stuff is that we just get, like we get the squeak of the chair in the bar fight and then we jump two days later. I've heard you talk about like Scott Steiner that way and I agree mm-hmm. with it about him, but I actually didn't get that feeling really at all here. Yeah, I feel like maybe I'm not reading comics the way that you do because I've never caught that I've like and it makes sense that you're saying it now but reading it it felt totally organic and yeah I can't think of maybe the off panel stuff but also for sure I don't know maybe my brain just sort of clicks into the way that he tells a thing for Uh, sure I guess a lot of time seems to pass in this issue and we don't get a sense of how long it is like how how did how much time happens between when God buys the planet and when Hal like finally yeah, okay, minutes. so in minutes, everybody on Earth has been convinced that there's a God and has superpowers and has decided that they don't care that he works the whole in mysterious gonna, ways, Django. That that just seemed like time crazy compressed to me with with no explanation. And it's not it's not really a complaint. It's just something that kind of slows me down on jumping into something like this with with both feet. For didst I not purchase the planet fair and square? <laughs> I didst arrive just in time to save the rainforest and coral reefs. <laughs> I like how he's kind of just like trying to manip. Yeah, he's just being a coy, manipulative little god. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I I'm so into it, and I do know that I I love the guy, but I, it's just. Anytime that this guy is opening up his sandbox to let you play with his toys in, I get so fucking excited. And I I really love sort of the the moral issue that they set up here at the end, which is these bad guys that have auctioned off the planet 
um, are talking about how basically they're unrelenting and evil and uh, there is is that which is weak and that which is prey and that which prays is strong. Uh, And then, you know, Hal says, well, which one are you? And he kills him. And he goes, what? And he turns to his other Green Lanterns who are all shot. He says, you saw it. It was self-defense. And it's just, it, it, it's that issue of people with powers, authoritarian figures, checks and balances. And I love that he's able to take a cop story like that and put it in this cosmic paradigm. And I do really, really like in this book how frequently he brings up the conversation of respecting the beliefs and practices of other cultures mm-hmm. because green lanterns are from each one is from a planet and it's from their own culture even if you look at it on a macro level of the planet's culture but from a planet to planet basis there are drastically different cultures and we need to respect well i believe that we need to respect everyone's cultures even if they're offensive to us and that's clearly what he sets up here is like these green lanterns like you can't just kill that person because they believe that and he's like well i think it's wrong so i did it and to me it then like hal jordan's the bad guy here and and that's sort of been a through line of the three issues so far. And I think he talked about that in that DC Nation or something. He sort of talks about the... Well, Hal's reckless. Yeah. Um, but He's you know, reckless, just, but now he's a murderer, too. Yeah. That, that was not self-defense. That made me feel ooky. Is it, like yeah. he, he, and I, I guess it's a commentary on, you know, what power does to a mind. And, you know, the Green Lantern Corps has never been actually, you know, a lot of the times the they do questionable things, at least in what I've read, like the the Guardians often go bad. You know, that seems to happen quite a bit. Um, so I think that's in line with it, but I was just like, Hal, come on. You yeah. just blatantly murdered that guy. But there's a page. That page. Where you see God, like, not, you know, God with a name, like Yahweh or... The shepherd. Yeah, but... God is in, like, the idea of the all-father, the always-nurturing, always-there thing, holding all these planets, taking care of it. That Growing was, them like fruits on a tree. Yeah, the the heavenly father, the concept of, like, generative creativity, and then shot through the two, the perfect triangles like that. That was fucking awesome. That's such a good page. And the whole thing looks like Lone Sloan. It's like Grant Morrison, Grant yeah. Morrison, Grant Morrison pretending to be... 2000 AD. Uh, yeah, it's so good. Uh, I give it a nine. I loved it so very much. Nine or nine point five, like in that range. Not not quite a perfect comic, but really close to it. I'll give it a seven and a half. I liked it a lot more than the other issues. Um, I'm glad the volcano guy's gone. <laughs> Reading him was slow because I had to make it long rumbles after. And there's the one he said. S- speaking guy who yeah. also have to read slow. Um, I will give it a nine point eight. There are nice. two things that bother me about this book. Um, does he stay? Yeah. The the Hal thing. Um, I like my heroes to be heroes, but that's my own weird stuff. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. Minor little complaints, but I, I love how zany it is. I love uh, inverting theological ideas and using sci-fi to get away with it is awesome. Justin, tell me about other, another sci-fi book. Speaking of gods. Speaking of gods, um, I'm going to go really far out on this one and go to the Outer Darkness and talk about this book for a second. Um, now, I haven't read this one yet, and I'm really excited to. This one was very, very good. Um, I think the whole book is, A, establishing a new character, and B, establishing uh, 
it has a pretty cool setup to establish an element of this world that souls can be reincarnated by technology. Um, you can bring back a soul. If you're out out in deep space, you can fly around at light speed and track down this soul on their extra dimensional journey and throw them back into a body and they'll they'll come back to life. Um, and the way they they go about that is through a classic, like you see them on a mission and then you see some people die right away and then it plays back through that mission. And um, you figure, they introduce this new character who... His name is Robert Paulson. Uh, Sato Shin, and he is a very cool guy. He's a former captain, um, and yeah, he's very mysterious. And the the way the the story was told in this was very very good. It's that classic. Uh, I, I just tooted is what that was. Oh, I thought you were congratulating me on my Fight Club reference. No, man, you've gotten one of those in every podcast. <laughs> every single one. For the last four. Every single one. He's yeah. sneaky about it. Yeah, if you guys haven't done that, play that game in every single <laughs> podcast since the first one to now. Django's made a subtle Fight Club reference. Um, so l- listen for that in the past, but also in the future. Yeah. And in fact, every time he's in the store, he makes a Fight Club reference. <laughs> um. Yeah, it was really, really good. They flush out some more character stuff. They introduce uh, a moral, ambiguous character who's very, very cool. We don't know his his stuff, but he has died seven times and been brought back. And uh, he looks like he, he might, you know, he was a former captain, so he may rival our good, less than good captain. I, um, I like our captain, though, and I'm really excited to read this issue. Yeah, it was very, very good. The art is on point. Um, you get some cool, fun action, and I think that lets the artist have a little fun. Um, and then also setting up some more character tension. I will give it a an 8.5. It's just one of my favorite books coming out. This one was, it felt like uh, one of those necessary filler episodes. but uh, Double page of... Uh, page four five, that splash page combo. It's just slightly horizontal, and it's just yeah. insane, beautiful battle spread that has like a wonderful like Kirby esque <clears throat> perspective. That's a thing like about Afu Chan, the artist that is amazing. Is like their subtle usage of perspective is always amazing. Like yeah. size and depth is so wonderfully conveyed in this one. Django, tell us about Criminal Number One. Oh man, I yeah. like these guys. Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Um, with uh, colored by Jacob Phillips, which is Sean Phillips' son. Whoa. That's crazy because it looks like Brightweiser, who normally does the colors. So this is the same guy that colored uh, All My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies, which is also another criminal story. Uh, Although I'm not sure if they slapped the criminal logo on there after the fact or not. Uh, But this, this follows a kid who steals some jewelry from an old man and it turns out that the kid is the son of a criminal character that we've met before, Tegan Lawless. And he stole the jewelry to bail his dad out of jail. And it turns out that the, the guy he stole it from is a big old gangster. And, and so um, Tegan has uh, not very long to pay the gangster back way more money than he can possibly do. And instead of doing that, he goes to his buddy's funeral and kind of stumbles on a way to make make that money, uh, and that's that's the big cliffhanger of the issue. What I like about this is that they're billing it as a criminal ongoing series, and the past criminal's been kind of short, uh, four, five, six issue stories, and then a couple of one shots. And uh, I'm I'm pretty excited to watch 
Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips just kind of play around in a world rather than play around with a specific character because or a specific set of characters. A lot of this world seems to kind of revolve around Tegan and, uh, you know, like he, he drops in and out and his kid drops in and out of stories. But um, they don't always. And uh, so so just having this world of criminals, um, uh, I'm super excited for it. Crime books. Do you know anybody who likes crime books besides me? Crime books. Crime books. What crime? How can one guy write almost exclusively crime books and like and I'm always be what is he's it writing a crime, crime TV show these days too, right? Is he's, he? He's doing that. Yeah, he's doing that uh, neon noir with for Amazon. He's writing a he's writing a thing, and uh, Drive Guy is directing it. Nicholas mm. Winding. Mm. And it, I think it's like a crime anthology thing. So lots of crime is out there. I mean, Ed Brubaker's been he, – he's written some other Does he rob a lot of people? Shows. Oh, I don't know. I mean, when we saw him at ImageCon a couple of years ago. Seems like a very nice guy. Image Expo. He, well, he was also talking about watch. how he just writes everything that he knows, um, which doesn't make me think that he's a huge criminal who does Did he a lot convince of heroin, you to buy that comic? At gunpoint. Yeah. yeah. At gum, he said, chew this bubble sticker. It's going in your ear. I'm going to put it in your hair, and you're going to have to shave it, punk. One of my favorite things about the issues that uh, Criminal puts out is that there's often uh, or almost always uh, some back matter that has a really beautiful painting and then um, like a two or three or four page essay about a thing he like related to crime and like the fatal ones seemed really interesting I remember yeah. Roman showing me those ones like his back matter seems like an entire month's worth of subject in and of itself yeah like it's dense and many pages and the dude just seems to love what he's doing yeah well he's, he's a big fan of pulps and and old criminal stories and I uh I, I love what they're doing, and I love that this is like 20 years of Brubaker and Phillips writing noir crime stories, and, and they've knocked it out of the park every single time. Yeah, he's insane. Like, he's so good at doing just crime stuff, and he's created, like, this entire crime universe. I ain't, I ain't never seen somebody do genre that good before. I know. It's just crazy that, like, he can milk being a criminal that that effectively. Yeah. I And that's because nine. criminals have a lot of milk to spare. And they get... Addicted to milk. milk. I'm curious. Would you like to see those two do a shadow series? Yeah, I would read that. Would you like to drink milk? I would maybe read my favorite (laughs) character written by two of my favorite creators. I don't know that it would be a super good match, but uh, I'll bet if they did it, it would be really good. You know, it would be a great shadow I'll bet they would turn it down if they didn't have a good idea for it. Mark Russell on the shadow. Oh, Oh, yeah. Fuck you. (laughs) What about... That uh, would be the worst shadow comic. (laughs) Sorry, Mark. I don't even know what a good shadow comic is because they're all Robin. What about oh. drawn by Afuchan? Hey, sorry. Uh, oh. That was an explicit word, and I'm sorry. I'm going to edit that. That was bad. I'm sorry. You I did I mean? it for comedic effect to just sort of really rib Django real good. Uh, yeah, real I saw good you rib, rib him right there. He was ribbed. Yeah, he went, oh, oh ribs. <laughs> I'm going to give you some stuff to cover that with. For my Eft. pleasure. Eft. Eft. <laughs> I actually have a sensor bleep saved, so that's all right. Hosed. Hosier. Hoosier. Hey, you hear Robin. 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 Ribbon. Robin. You guys know my middle name's Robin? Wicker people. 
staff of them. staff of the wicker people. <laughs> Place the staff of the wicker people at the Hand heart the of the staff. sun. Religion and or politics. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> shut up. Shut up. I want to die. I want to die too. Die number two. Um, oh, I was one. setting you up, dude. You, you killed it. You killed it. And I you? inadvertently killed it as well. You knock yeah. him up. We killed it together. Down. Yeah. Hey, bones. Boom. Y'all just missed a very yeah. physical fist bump. Boom. I'm going to bump myself. Oh, there's a little more to it, but um, you guys don't want to. Die number two is written by Kieran Gillen, and the art is by Stephanie Hans. Uh, we talked about issue number one. A bunch of kids play a D&D game that one of them has written. They go upstairs, the parents go check on them a little bit later. They've disappeared. Flash forward a number of years. Somebody's driving on a highway at night, and they see all of those kids who've been missing for a couple years, except minus one, and one of them's, like, missing an arm, and they're just beating the shit, and they are not able or willing at all to talk about what's happened. Um, Then, like, 20 years later... They receive a bloody D20 that was the D20 that the dungeon master was using in the mail, and they gather up because they have to go back into this world. Um, it almost is a little bit. It almost is a little bit too easily compared to like Jumanji, which it's just sort of like. But um, if you can get no. over that, really no, <laughs> I um, don't think so. Jumanji has the the game comes to our world. No. Yeah. Well, except for Robin Williams is stuck in the game for 25 years. Well, okay. I guess I... All right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. I was thinking of the Jumanji book where the kids play the game and the game mm. comes and like... And then it does... The, yeah, the movie is yeah. it coming, it coming to the world. But um, <laughs> it is it is a lot of that, that same conceit. But it the art is gorgeous and Kieran Gillen has basically written the rules for a role-playing game while writing this comic that he's going to release around the time that the first paperback comes out and every character has their own unique uh, um, he's a hyper nerd he's a he's a hyper nerd yeah and, and it's it's awesome but and they have respect. their their own discrete dice that they use one character uses the d6 one uses the d8 he's created these classes it's awesome one of them is called the grief knight and Ooh. the grief knight um, you realize what it is in this one. They have to kill this thing, and none of them have the power to. And the grief knight, uh, they're like, "You got to do." It. He's like, "No, I can't. I don't feel bad." And what you realize is that he's only able to summon and use this sword and use this power if he's like incredibly distraught or feeling terrible. And one of them has the 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 one that's sort of like the me, the like self-appointed driver of the vehicle, basically can assign emotions to people and makes this person feel horrible so that they'll use this sword to slay this monster and it's like Im- like forced emotional like, like it's 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 like the fastball special yeah except for way rapier yeah it's like it's it's bad like it's it's this really dirty moment where this person is like crying because they're being made to feel horrible by one of their friends because it's a necessary um means to an end but then later you find out that there are also joy knights and those are not much better. <laughs> it's uh, it's just really cool. Um, in terms of like the first two issues of a Kieran Gillen series, this is my favorite that he's done. Weekend and Divine was cool, but I just never really got the world. Like, yeah. I never really, I could never put my feet down in it. And this one, you can really put your feet down in it, and it makes sense. And he's kind of created this whole fantasy world and these fantasy elements, and I'm just super, super into it. I had kind of mixed feelings about this issue mm. because it was... It is gorgeous. There's a lot of telling and not showing. 
Um, and I guess you kind of have to do that to get to the meat of what you're what you're doing. But there's like the the narrator is the what do they call themselves the uh, the dictator, and uh, they're they're telling you the entire story as you go and kind of giving you a breakdown of the characters and what they're thinking and why they're thinking that. Um, and and we had a lot of things that I feel like you could spend issues and issues on that just kind of happen and then it's over and you move on to the next threat. That's what I really like in things. Is, I, I thought is, that was kind of cool. Yeah, hinting at things. It's like that magic order thing where it's just like mention a thing and then keep going and and you're just filled with this feeling that this world is way bigger and lived in than you are reading. I just hope that we get to a point where we dwell on something that's as interesting as these throwaway things, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because I, I loved the uh, the Joy Knight where the uh, one, one of the characters um, fell in love with an adventurer in their first visit to this land. And as he rode off... He said he would not rest until he had gazed upon my perfection one more. He dared me to use my power to make his words binding. I laughed and did so. And now they've been gone forever, and the dude died years ago, and he can't actually die until he sees her again. So they have to use magic to give him a sight. and like it's His eyes have rotted out, and he has maggots in his eyes. And it's sort of this like throwaway romantic gesture, and then, yeah, the, yeah, the, the implications of it Huge consequences. Yeah, yeah, and that, really. like... I would read four issues of that. Yeah. Just sure. that. Is there like a, not quite a grief night, but like a mellow sad night? That's him. That's um, the joy night. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, a mellow sad night. Yeah. It's a playlist reference. I yeah. get it. I get it. <laughs> Is that you when you hear that, when you hear that playlist? You're just kind of an, you know, you can't do anything because you're feeling no, so mellow. I just feel like I'm set. floating through space. <laughs> uh, iridescent, you know, formless iridescence will block out the sun. Yeah. Have you ever yeah. been in like a... Like a sensory deprivation tank. I was born in one. That's that's what I imagine it sounded like when you were born. Uh, okay. <laughs> I give this one an eight point five. I'll, I'll match that eight and a half. I would like a little a little less uh, leading me through, but uh, this is the most excited I've been about a Kieran Gillen story in a long time. It sounds really cool, but I've had Kieran Gillen books sound very cool in the past. Does he play? Games or does he? Oh, I think he that plays was his original thing was that he was a game journalist. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Nice. I used to follow him on Instagram, and I'm sorry, Karen, stopped following because like I just don't know anything about what you're posting, man. It's just games, 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 games. <laughs> hey Roman, give me a buckshot. You got a minute and thirty seconds on the clock, starting oh. now. Friendly neighborhood Spider-Man number one by uh, Tom Taylor. And Juan Cabal and Nolan Woodward. You know, this is the new Spider-Man series, and it's they do some establishing stuff. My favorite thing about this book is that it uh, it focuses on Peter Parker's actual the neighborhood and friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. You get, meet some of his neighbors. You find out kind of what his routine is in the neighborhood, his favorite hot dog cart. You know, all this, these relationships, the people that he actually knows in his normal life, everyday life, and that's really cool. The rest of the issue, I was kind of like, eh, whatever. <laughs> Picks up some threads from uh, the previous Chip Zdarsky Spider-Man, which was my... The Spider-Man series I really liked right before this. Um, oh, and there's a big revelation, too, about Aunt May. She, she Spoilers, she may have cancer. May. Ha, <laughs> May. May. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Man Without Fear number one and two. I'm gonna do them both together. I like it. This this is just <laughs> it's the new like inner interconnecting Daredevil series before Daredevil number one by Chip Zdarsky comes out. And this he's the end of his last series. He got hit by a truck. He's in the hospital. He's in a coma. He wakes up, but he's all bashed up. He decides to stop being Daredevil. It's all about psychological fear and physical pain and what that does to you. But, you know, it just feels like Daredevil's been through so much and he's been so many moments when he's been broken down and and is he going to come back? Is he going to be Daredevil? No, he's not going to be. Oh, he's going to be Daredevil, whatever. (laughs) Um, It's just kind of a meh, both issues for me. (laughs) I I mirror your feelings on Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah. Um... I just sort of like, oh, like May maybe has cancer. Like, that's a bummer, but she's been on death doorstep more than once and yeah. has died. It's just, that's a, it's I, a bummer. I personally think I wish they had left her dead years, decades ago, when they killed her supposedly that time. <laughs> but I do You're think a the cold hearted son of a bitch. Well, because, you know, she should be like 150 by now. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, uh, I liked Man Without Fear number one, okay. I, I like the art in it, and I, I, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a fan of, like, if you want to give me a metaphorical, physical manifestation of the embodiment of all of your pain and then a separate mm-hmm. in- entity that embodies all of your fear. Like, that's a cool thing. Yeah, I did like with. the first issue better than the second one. I like the the skinned Daredevil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the, yeah, sc- that just the, has the skull with the hanging mask. Yeah, I was bummed that they had to uh, say that that's what it was because uh, <laughs> it wasn't super clear in the art. Yeah. 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 Uh, what do you give them one to ten him? Um, man without or yeah, man without fear number one. I'll give a, I'll give a seven. Man without fear number two. I'll give a six. Friendly neighborhood Spider Man. I'll give a six. Jeff, ninety seconds. Go. Um, I read Venom Unleashed. Web Web of Venom. Venom Unleashed number one. This is this was written by the series artist Ryan Stegman and somebody else did the art and then a separate artist did the, the a separate little five th- page thing at the end. Um, I hate to say it, but I think this was a mess. Uh, I think that they told it backwards. Um, it's mostly a silent issue, and you're following this dog around. It was super unclear what was going on, and then the final five page sequence with a different artist made it show what happened in the first part so I had to then reread it and it just I think it was the the artist's first time writing a thing and I was pretty disappointed because I really liked this series and I really liked Donnie Cates but uh this was this was real pretty amateurish um and it's doing some weird stuff with Carnage that that is fine but mostly that series has been so good that this was kind of a bummer to have, have been around um Miles Morales, Spider-Man number two. This, however, was very good. Um, this, the art is for sure gorgeous. Uh, same as the last one. There's lots of really cute moments. It's just like a Spider-Man Rhino team up. Um, when I finish this book, I'm going to ask Roman some questions about the Rhino. But the character work is really nice. Uh, the art's really nice. It, Saladin Ahmed is has done some amazing comic book stuff. All three of his books have have been really really good, and he doesn't on the surface. I don't get super fucking excited to read his book, but as I'm reading, I always really enjoy it. Um, I would give that Venom book a four, and I would give Miles Morales Spider-Man an eight. Mm, yeah, I would. I haven't read this Venom, but I would give it a a five based on the art alone. The five, the final art is very good, but that's only about five pages, and then this stuff 
the bulk of the issue. I, I, it's super. Even when it's okay, hey, it's really unclear and hard to track what's going on. Oh, it's, I love this guy. Yeah, you've seen that guy's art before. Yeah, he did uh, Simon Garth, the zombie, uh, like ten or fifteen years ago. He, it looks like Kelly Jones should watch his back to me. Yeah, uh, but also I haven't read it, so I don't know how the action flows or anything. Yeah, in, in terms of like it being linked up with the writing of it, this story is very confusing and it, oh, okay. it's like somebody trying to do Donnie Cates of like referencing these robot suits. Like, if you don't recognize these, you should check back in with Venom Lethal Protector and it's like, fuck off. Oh, Jesus. That's a long time ago. Yeah, and it's not like in the fun way of like mythos. It's just like these people apparently found these robot suits underground, but there's buildings. Are we underground or not underground? So they're doing it with asterisks instead of Twitter tweets? It's bad news. Um... <laughs> But uh, Miles Morales, I would give, like a, yeah, like a solid eight to. Uh, Dart's gorgeous. Um, and then Saladin is just, like, really establishing himself as a really solid writer. My one complaint is that they have turned to make Genki a, like a cooler character. And mm. I really liked him being the sort of uncool friend to Miles, who was also not cool to begin with. But he's got, like, a top knot, and he's... Cool. That's not yeah. cool. <laughs> it's I. It's I mean, as a guy who has a ponytail, I agree it's not cool, but it's also drawn like he thinks it's cool. Um, I, but yeah, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, but I, I really did like the the Miles and Rhino stuff, and I think that this writer seems really good. He doesn't seem to write any character without having understanding of the character beforehand, which is, mm. like, I read this right after the Venom book, and it seemed like the total antithesis to it. He seems to create his understanding of a character and establish a voice for it before he's going to write it, and I really respect that. Um, but, yeah, their interplay is, is very, very good. And there's some cute, cute stuff. At one point, Miles has to, like, pull Rhino around, so he's, like, got him sitting in this little web chair, and he's pulling... It's cute. <laughs> but yeah. I, I forget, like, there are two Rhinos, and... There are, um... Uh, there's this one, original Rhino, and the, he, there was the second one who's a really grim Russian dude. Mm-hmm. Which one's from and Jersey? I think this one is. <laughs> because Jersey's not in Russia. Um, you can be a Russian and be in Jersey. For sure. I'm with Justin on that. I've seen it done. Yeah, but yeah. The, old, the, old, the Russian Rhino, definitely, he's straight from Russia and very serious. This, yeah, I really like the relationship in this, too, because... The rhinos, this rhino's been around forever, but this is the first time I've really thought, wow, I like the rhino. I mean, other than just the cool power and he's got, he's got a real personality and he's got real reasons for doing what he's doing here. Right, and, it, and it's it's good and he seems to be a, a good person and he's he's cute in it. Uh, yeah, although, isn't his girlfriend's name who's passed away like a pretty Russian name for this New Jersey guy if there's a pre-existing Russian one? Um, I don't remember what her name Oksana is. Oksana or that, something? That could, Maybe. Oh yeah, he keeps Oksana. referring to her as. See, I wasn't sure if that was a Russian. Jersey. I don't know if that's <laughs> if that's Russian or Japanese. Uh, so, I mean, yes, yeah, so I don't, I don't know, but yeah, in terms of who the rhino is, I, I was confused. Yeah, and there's lots of great moments between the two. I mean, when Spidey has to carry it because the rhino's like, you know, it's going to take cops are going to be following us, and so if I come charging through the streets, can so can you uh, carry me? So Spider-Man's Miles has to drag him around in this web. Swing and everyone kind of <laughs> gives Miles shit about being like a kid with a new Spider-Man, and it's not beating your head, beating you over the head with it, but it is also sort of like he's a guy who's trying to figure out his own identity, and it's just yeah, they don't beat your head. Like there's a moment when Rhino's saying, "Well, you wouldn't know what it's like to have everybody like look at you and judge you just by the way you look," 
And Miles said, says something like, oh, you have no idea. I totally know what that's like. Yeah. But he doesn't do the obvious beat your head thing of like raising up his mask and going, look, I'm black. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very, very good. Roman, you are a good boy. What was your score for that issue? Eight point five. All right, Django. Yeah. Ninety seconds. I wanted to spend ninety seconds talking about the freeze issue. Yeah, slow two. it down. <laughs> My so the top cow production. Slowing down. Uh, the setup. I think I probably talked about the first issue. Everybody on Earth stops moving at one point, and one dude can touch somebody and wake them up. And so they have uh, kind of created a community by picking and choosing people that they're going to touch to wake up and doing whatever research they can before they wake them up to make sure that they're going to be useful, like farmers or security people or whatever. And um, this is – for the most, most of this issue, I felt like, God, why am I reading this Top Cow garbage? Because I like the lettering. <laughs> Top Cow will often make a comic that is – has an interesting setup and then is just – Really, really boring. And this one, all the way through to like a page before the end, I thought, why am I reading this? Why am I still reading this? What is interesting about this? This is just like that TV show that they never finished. Um, and on the last page, we find out that one of the people he's, he's woken up is murdering people in a very grisly way. Um, I also read Martian Manhunter number two. I'm a little bit less confused than I was. I really like the origin of Martian Manhunter's face and the, why he looks like he does when he's uh, on Earth. And uh, other than that, I'm still not really sure what's going on here. And um, I'm going to stick with it. I'm, I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out hope that this Martian Manhunter pays off. Give me, can you give me just a little bit more on that Martian Manhunter? Because I read number one and I put, I took this one home to read, but as I kept reanalyzing how much time I had left for the podcast and what I was going to read, it just kept falling back into the books that I was. It was in my final four books. This one pays off. Um, you learn a whole lot more about Mars, and uh, you also get a little more interplay between him and his Earth wife, and she is not down with how fucked up and crazy he looks as a burned-up Martian. Is that his wife or his partner? Or his partner, okay. yeah. Um, but she also doesn't just straight-up murder him because, you know, that would be the easy way out, and and she's trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, but she's obviously super terrified. Um, and then all the all the stuff that's happening on Mars, I'm, I'm more and more interested in the Mars stuff. Than uh, versus versus the last issue where I was like, don't make me read all these words with apostrophes in the wrong place. Um, <laughs> but he uh, so apparently John Jones took his social appearance from cavemen, and that's why he's got the big brow, and uh, and and that like that's why he stands on two legs, which I, I thought was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a. Uh, I really liked the he learned it all from old crime detective TV, stuff from yeah. New Frontier. That's, yeah, that's how yeah. that's how it so used to be. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a cool study of the character, and I think that this is the first time that I've read a Martian Manhunter series that hasn't felt like, oh, let's churn this out and not lose the copyright or whatever. Like they never. They never really seem to know exactly how to do a solo Martian Manhunter story, and this this one has a little bit of extra something or other. Love that art. 12 issues is ambitious. Yeah. Uh, I would give Freeze number two like a six. 
I'm probably going to read the next one, uh, but I'm not going to subscribe to it. And at oh, some he's point, he's going to read the next one. At some oh, point, yeah. Jeff's going to stop ordering series. it like a smart boy, because <laughs> um, I'm going to be the only one who's, who's nope, reading it. We've got two other subscribers. All right. Well, I'm just going to steal it from Matt Swanson's file and, and read that. Um, I'm looking at you, Yusuf Tan, huh? Oh, he's reading it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we'll compare notes. Um, and then uh, Martian Manhunter, I'm going to give that a seven and a half. I'm hoping it turns into a nine for me. I could see this being like. A couple more issues. This could be, like, vision-level interesting, I think. I think it's got that potential. <sighs> and there we did it, guys. Oh. Um, sure. <laughs> Just, are you all right? Did you get stung? How's your EpiPen? Where's your, where are your levels? Get the EpiBees. We finally made it around. Roman, you gotta get off the boat and get his EpiPen. He left it in the sandcastle. He was using it as a little little flag at the top of the tower. I think it's kind of funny watching him, though. You love to watch people struggle, you weird, weird, <laughs> sadistic. Yeah, and you're all erotic about it, too. You love erotic, watching him. him no, struggle. don't say erotic to him. <laughs> don't say erotic. Don't burp around him, because yeah. he'll say, suck my kiss. Yeah. Don't, don't ask for your EpiPen. Don't ask for an EpiPen. <laughs> don't mention Red Sonia. Don't EpiPen mention Locke Johnson. Don't mention, like, <laughs> there's a whole there's so bunch of, like, triggers. Yeah. Roman, you've got problems that you don't realize. He's basically a soundboard. If you want to hear somebody bam, say, bam, suck bam. my kiss. Just burp around him. Just make him burp. Um, but on that note, I think that we should get Thing. off the boat. But on that note, thing? Sorry. I... Boat? Note boat? Man. <laughs> thing. <laughs> See? I knew I could make him say All thing. All right. I'm not cleaning up this mess. Somebody else has to. We'd like to thank everybody for listening to a perfectly acceptable podcast by The Comics Place. Boing. Episode 114. <laughs> um, recorded live in the Pap Cave. Give oh, us a call at the Pap Cave on the, on the Pap Cave line. 1-619-663-7336. Uh, give us a call. Record it beforehand and email it to us. We yeah. don't. We don't. That's give a, a phone fuck. line that's always open. And you're always gonna have a voice. If you're feeling sad and alone this Christmas, you can always call the Pap line, where we will have Pap advice for you and all of your Pap queries. Nine ninety nine a minute. Call <laughs> now. No, it's free. It's free. Um, we're here for you. You never have to be alone. Papcast is listening. I'm Django. I'm Jeff. I'm Roman. I'm Justin. Peanut butter. <laughs> Turn that thing off. <laughs>